Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we do have to let the stream breathe here just for a second. Make sure we got our Facebook community on with us on this Thanksgiving Eve, I guess, if that's such a thing. We're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, who you know, who you love. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I thought it was interesting. You know, Elway, John Elway, president of football operations and general manager of the Denver Broncos, during the season, he has his Elway access sit down with the team site, with Phil Milani of the team site, and for a couple of weeks there, that was absent because he was in protocol, right? Elway had, c- had contracted the bug. But now that he's back, he uh, sat down with Phil Milani, and he doubled down. I want to read this uh, quote to you verbatim real quick here, Zach, and I want to get your thoughts on this because obviously Drew Locke, with how uneven he's been this year, it has generated a lot of concerns in the fan base. We've talked about it uh, ad nauseum here on the show. But this is what Elway told Milani. Uh, yesterday quote yes I've had some good talks with Drew I'm excited about him he's got the right mentality because he wants to be great I think he'll continue to work on that close quote I want to go through some of his other quotes here but in essence Zach Elway is saying I am still excited about Drew Locke nothing I've seen up to this point has dissuaded me from my previous stances on Drew Locke he uses a specific word, starts with an R, which we'll get to in one second. And Locke comments on that word as well. And I love Locke's reaction to what Elway had to say about him. We'll, we'll talk about that. But in terms of Elway, a lot of it is GM speak. A lot of it is speak from a guy that spent the entire offseason treating him like a franchise quarterback, treating him like the cornerstone of the organization. And he does want to be great. And I think this one quote, without reading too much into it, because we tend to do that with John Elway, would he have said this about Paxton Lynch? That's that's what I took out of it. I think he recognizes Drew Locke as a quarterback prospect that despite the inconsistencies, despite the turnovers, despite the struggles, and despite the adversity, he's going to overcome that or at least do his damnedest to overcome it. And I think considering the previous iterations of Broncos quarterbacks, they didn't have that gene. Paxton Lynch, Gase Keenum, Joe Flacco, go down the line, Brock Osweiler. I think he recognizes in Drew Locke a different characteristic than he was used to with the previous quarterbacks. He went on to say, in terms of navigating some of the pitfalls of the NFL trial and error learning curve, quote, 
obviously when you're going through it as a, excuse me, as a young quarterback, you're going to see a lot of different things, a lot of different looks. Defensive coordinators know when they've got a young quarterback and try to confuse them. So I think he's done a heck of a job going through that. Every snap he takes this year, this is key here, Zach, he's going to continue to get better. It's just going to help him in the future. And then he went on to say, I think that's one of the bright things that Drew has done. And here comes the R word. He's very resilient and he's continued to bounce back. You're going to go through growing pains, especially as a young quarterback. And then the last thing here, he says, Elway, quote, he had the five starts last year, then started early for us and then got banged up and missed a couple starts and came back in. I think we're excited about what we've seen. Again, he repeats himself. Obviously, the consistency hasn't been there where we wanted it to be. But you look at everything that's gone on for us this year. I think that they've hung in there and done a heck of a job. No offseason with a new offensive staff, a lot of young guys playing, no preseason games. So everything's been kind of a little bit against us. But I think that these guys have not let that affect them, and they've continued to work their tail off, keep their nose to the grindstone, continue to work week in and week out, close quote. So he's continuing to talk about Drew Locke and the future. So up to this point, the outside um, noise, Zach, as we've kind of surmised over this period, it's not the same inside. Inside the posture remains, right. hey, man, we just got to massage him through this, this learning curve. Uh, this is part of the process. He's talking about Locke like an unfinished product because that's exactly what he is. And if you guys don't take it from me, take it from Chad, take it from John Elway, who knows something about quarterbacking, it's a process in the NFL when you're a young guy. It's a roller coaster. And like he intimated, you're going to go through the pitfalls, you're going to go through the the peaks and the valleys. He's going to give you good play followed by bad play. That is the process of a young quarterback, especially, again, a quarterback that has Locke's skill set. So hopefully Elway sways some doubt or worry in the fan base. We're always going to have the people that are pulling their hair out, worrying and, and panicking and criticizing Drew Locke. But take it from Elway when he says he's getting better, he's growing. And as I wrote in my story today, Chad, he's progressing for once rather than regressing like we saw earlier this year. Well said, my friend. There's a lot more we want to get to on this topic. Uh, whatever's on your mind, I see we got a super chat coming in from Muhammad already. Good to see you, Mo. And uh, the the roster moves, some we- kind of weird roster shenanigans is a word I'll use that have, has taken place at Dove Valley today. We're going to get into all of that here in just a few uh, minutes. But first, we do have to take care of some quick matters of business, starting with, and we hope those of you who are traveling for Thanksgiving, and even if you're not traveling, we hope that tomorrow is a great day for you. We'll, we're looking forward to Talking to you tomorrow during Thanksgiving in the evening. We're going to still bring our show to you at the traditional time, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll get more into that here in just a second. But, gang, as uh, tonight's live stream, as we get it started here, it is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Right now, sports uh, gambling is legal in the state of Colorado. Here is what makes sportsbetting.com the no-brainer for sports fans just like you. You get sharp odds and low juice at sportsbetting.com. They have their own in-house bookmakers, which means they're not using third-party odds. They provide their own. That results in reduced juice and the best prices. Plus, you get hassle-free bonuses, which you can roll over after using it one time. And then you get 24-7 live customer support, and it's always a real person in the United States. And there's an awesome app that they've recently come out with that makes it all that much easier at your fingertips. But here's the kicker, gang. Pay close attention to this. At sportsbetting.com, 
you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to 1000 bucks. And it's not just one bet. It is all of your bets. Here's how it works. You play for a week. And if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to $1,000. And you can roll it over after the one time. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. And capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle. All right, a couple quick things. Uh, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at huddle up pod. And then while you're at it, the main account at mile high huddle. If you have those two accounts followed on Twitter, you know, Zach and I want you to follow our personal accounts, but if you have those two followed, you're not going to miss anything as it relates to the podcast or breaking Broncos news and analysis, but you're going to want to follow us both as well. My partner is Kelberman on Twitter at Kelberman NFL myself at Chad and Jensen also with Christmas coming we'll point your attention to the merch store head on over to huddleuppod.com and get your swag on get yourself one of these MHH trucker hats or the football priest hat like you see Zach rocking right now t-shirts hoodies mugs face masks the let them hate still a classic still relevant uh, just as relevant as it was in the offseason so it's another way to support what we are doing here at MHH also shout out to our Facebook audience if you would like to become an official supporter on Facebook of Mile High Huddle, just go to our page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Click the big blue button. You can't miss it. Become a supporter. You are in like Flynn. And if you can't do either of those things, it's all good. We are just stoked to have you in the stream here with us this evening or if you're listening after the fact as a on-demand podcast. But we do ask that you take these three uh, steps, these three uh, pieces of action here. Number one. Subscribe, and that's crucial on Apple Podcasts. That's crucial on YouTube. Number two, like this video, especially crucial on Facebook and YouTube. And then number three is the litmus test. This is how Zach and I know whether or not we're truly doing a good job. Share this video out there. If you think Zach and I are doing a a good job, a bang-up job for you, share this video out there. Help MHH, help the Huddle Up Podcast. Continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Broncos country, listen up. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Coors Hard Seltzer right now is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Never before has it been as easy and simple to make an impact and make a difference in this world. So whatever you're doing, Here's how it works. By simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. 
Our waterways, gang, are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Heart Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. The way it works, each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results? One billion, that's billion with a B, gang, gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. Four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV. And Zach, it's only 90 calories. Chad, I got to be honest. It's always good tasting a Coors Hard Seltzer, but it just hits differently after the big Broncos upset of the Miami Dolphins. It's crisp. It's refreshing. It tastes good. And also leading him into my Thanksgiving celebration, Chad, it's even that much better. You heard it. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer. You help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It's serious. It's that simple. Visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach. Let me see here. There's some some transactions we need to get to, but let's just say hello to, to those who've been uh, active in the stream. Start with Muhammad, rocking the trucker hat, rocking the hoodie. Love you, buddy. Good to see you. He says, hello, rock stars. I wanted to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Hashtag stay great. You stay great. Really appreciate you, my friend. Thank yeah. you. Means a lot. And uh, good to see Beto. Good to see all you guys in the stream. Denver Broncos for life. And uh, looks like the gang's all here. We got Zeus in the house. Good to see everybody. Zach. Yes. The Broncos made a weird decision. Yesterday they brought back. This is, this is, it wasn't what I'm about to tell you. Isn't the weird part. So they chose yesterday to bring back Levante Bellamy off of injured reserve, right? The undrafted rookie running back started on the active roster this year, then got banged up. They decided to put him on IR. Well, they activated him yesterday. And so they had to make a corresponding move that move. They wave. Jake Rogers, the offensive tackle, the longtime Mike Munchak acolyte. And you think, all right, well, there you go. There's there's your 53-man roster. Only to then today wave Levante Bellamy <laughs> with the hope of getting him on the practice squad in order to make room for Mark Barron, the linebacker who's coming off injured reserve. Meanwhile, Jake Rogers, you know, it's it's it sucks because he's got a little he's got a little experience in the scheme and you know, he's been developed by Munchak, but he was claimed off waivers by the Ravens. So what do you make of all these roster moves the last couple of days? It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, I mean, you can live without Levante Bellamy. You can technically live without Jake Rogers, but considering how tenuous that position is for a while now and all we've been through this season with DeMar Dotson and Jawan James and uh, Elijah Wilkinson, you never want to just lose an offensive tackle and the move they made, it's just like they were playing chess against themselves. And I, I don't understand their fascination or their fixation with Mark Barron, a guy who hasn't played a full 16-game schedule since 2016. They think he's going to come in and be the, the immediate solution to their tight end woes and coverage woes. He isn't that good of a linebacker, and he certainly isn't that good of a defender that can start consistently. 
Um, you gotta, I guess, roll with Fangio's personnel management and, and maybe he can unlock Mark Barron's, uh, talent or, or whatever's left of his ceiling. But I never like losing linemen, especially when Mike Munchak put in work developing Jake Rogers into what he can be. Now it's down to Calvin Anderson and we have to hope that Tamar Dotson stays healthy. You know, if, if Elijah Wilkinson wasn't promoted off, uh, not promoted, activated himself off of injured reserve over the weekend, Maybe it's not Jake Rogers who ends up getting the boot, but I'm with you, especially what, even though up to this point, Jake Rogers hasn't shown much when his number's been called. I think he's appeared in five games as a Bronco with one start. He hasn't shown much, but Zach, he's a guy that has been a kind of a passion project for for Mike Munchak. And for the better part of the last two seasons, the Broncos have invested in him. And now all that toil, all that TLC, that work down the drain, so to speak, in terms of any kind of, getting any kind of return on that investment. Rodgers wasn't a superstar, but he wasn't named Elijah Wilkinson. So that's always that was always the safeguard against Wilkinson playing tackle if something happened to Mar Dotson. I'm okay losing Bellamy. I think he'll come back to the practice squad. But losing a player like Jake Rodgers, who is being molded by one of the best coaches in the NFL, and it's one of your most, you know, least favorable positions right now, I have to question that slightly, uh, their decision-making. The thing about – and also just the timing of it, like – I get that you like Levante Bellamy and you want to keep him within the embrace of the organization for whatever it's worth. And even though he might be healthy, what's the difference between keeping him on IR for another week or two while you kind of figure some other things out? I mean, it's not like the coaches didn't know Barron was close to coming back. They they started practicing him, I don't know, 10 days ago, almost two weeks ago. And, you know, they've been able to monitor his progress. They've been able to get the reports from the medical staff to see how he's doing. And so if you're Levante Bellamy, if you're the Broncos in terms of handling Levante Bellamy, this is a move activating him off injured reserve that could have been made at any given point. Instead, right. you make that move. I don't know. It just seems really convoluted, like it wasn't all that well thought out. And maybe I'm making too much of it, but it's just like it doesn't speak to me of a master plan or someone at the, at the helm of this thing. It, it feels kind of slapdash. I don't think you're making too much of it because it continues a disturbing pattern at offensive tackle this season. How they've handled that position since Dewan James decided to opt out this year. Obviously, signing DeMar Dotson, but waiting until Elijah Wilkinson was literally injured and got his quarterback injured to replace him. Someone in the building, either Elway or Fangio, is making the final call on these tackles in this offensive line, and it's not uh, a great path to leading the Broncos down, I feel like. Zeus McPeak, man, you don't have to do that. Wow. Thank you, my friend. Off the top rope, MHH, Mount Rushmore, the first face etched up there and a bona fide superstar. Founding father. Founding father, indeed. And uh, we really appreciate that. He says, yes. happy Thanksgiving, Broncos family, and happy Thanksgiving to you as well, my friend, and, and give our best to your family. And to, that goes to everybody. You know, yeah. we, we love each and every one of you, appreciate each and every one of you. And Stu, um, you know, that makes the uh, – the evil eye I'm going to be getting from the missus tonight is going to be like, why aren't you spending time with your family? <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's not going to do that. Um, but nevertheless, I really appreciate it. Zach really appreciates it, man. You just, you know, this is why we keep showing up because you support this, what we're doing, not just by being here and participating in the conversation, but in the most true sense of supporting the content here, Stu, you're, you're number one, my friend. Yeah, I wanted to say this to Muhammad, but I'll say this to you as well, Stu. Happy Thanksgiving for anyone who's going to be busy tomorrow night, obviously spending time with their family, their friends, enjoying football. If we don't catch you tomorrow night, I want to say, and I can speak for Chad, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Be safe, be happy, enjoy yourselves. Take a little positive in what's been a very dark year. So thank you so much, Stu, and we hope to see you tomorrow night. 
Indeed. Um, Terry, up there, north of the 49th parallel. What, I got to say, I mean, I my memory is not perfect, but this is the guy, I think, that inspired one of our little catchphrases here on this show, and that is that Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. And we love you, Terry. And we're glad to, to hear that you've been uh, united with your woman. He says, strangest season ever. Hashtag state of being. Yep. Cheers to you as well, my friend. Um, yeah, it really has been an odd season. And I think that's part, Zach, of what kind of is informing the Broncos' view on this whole thing. Like, fans are sick and tired of all the losing. Fans are sick and tired of the foibles and the almosts and the, you know, hit and miss. And they're, they're just tired of it. But inside the building, I think the Broncos, like we've been telling you, that they're Joe Ellis and John Elway, they're tied to the hip through 2021. And, you know, the NFL could come in with this new rule and really strong arm the Broncos to sell the team if they don't get resolution soon on the whole Bowling family suit and all that stuff. But odds are, we've, we've known all year long that Elway and Ellis, they're going to roll through this next 18 months because Elway is under contract through next season. And so that was the window. It wasn't just about 2020. As soon as things started going off the rails this season, Zach, I think John Elway and Vic Fangio, I mean, they had to kind of look at this through a two-season prism. And if you're looking at it that way, it makes sense when John Elway says that, you know, all these reps that Drew's getting right now, that they're only going to help him to be great and help him in the future. And you know what? It, it certainly has been a very weird and unique year, and not in many great ways for the Broncos, but across the NFL and across the world, Chad, this has just been from front to back, from January till now, it's just been very weird, uh, mostly brutal, very very uh, harrowing. It's been hard to get through day by day, but at least we have the normalcy of football. And at least I'm saying that because I think we finally saw last week against the Dolphins what the Broncos, their identity could be, what they could be going forward. We could be seeing the new era of Broncos football being slowly unleashed the rest of this season and going into next year because Chad is 100% spot on. It was never just about 2020. It was always about this season and at least next year and possibly beyond. Uh, Dave from Georgia has a question, and then, John, I'm going to grab this uh, this question by Isaiah on Facebook as soon as we grab Dave here. He says, who do you, and it's good to see you, by the way, Dave. Hope everything's going okay for you in Georgia and, and happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving, I should say, to you, my friend. He says, who do you guys see us? Who do you guys see as being the key to beat the Saints? Um, honestly, I think it's Drew Locke, you know, if and and Pat Shermer. I'll I'll, right. I'll kind of take it. I'll cheat just a little bit, but it's both those guys. It can't be Zach. Another one of these. They were good this week, or you know, showed improvement this week, and then it's right. You know, can't be more one step forward, two steps back. They took two steps forward last week. They really did. I mean, they beat a very good team. Now they got to take, even if it's not two more steps forward, take one step forward and zero steps back. If you play at the same level of intensity in the running game, you produce on the ground, you continue to protect Drew Locke, I think that this is a a defense that Vic Fangio has here that can at least keep the Saints in check, especially with Taysom Hill as the quarterback. They have a chance. So as is often the case, has often been the case this season, Zach, the Destiny of the Broncos ultimately comes down to can Pat Shermer and Drew Locke skin the cat. 
Yeah, it comes down to coaching. And I was going to say Pat Shermer, but I'll change my answer up a little bit and I'll say Vic Fangio because what keeps the Broncos in the game, we know the Broncos offense is not going to be gangbusters. It's it's more than likely not going to be a 40-burger on the board this Sunday. But if Vic Fangio's defense can contain Taysom Hill of all quarterbacks and the Saints offense featuring Emmanuel Sanders, like they did against the Dolphins last week, it gives the Broncos a chance to get right on offense, use that ground-and-pound running approach, you know, use play action, and, of course, to Pat Shermer and the offensive coaching. If they just can call an aggressive game that plays to Locke's strengths, he plays confident, and we get the fourth quarter Drew Locke the entire game, yeah, they have a chance to win. But to me, it starts on defense with Fangio's scheme. Taysom Hill, it, it pretty much he should be a rookie quarterback. He's that inexperienced. And we all know Fangio's record against rookies. If they just hold down that rushing attack, they hold down Kamara, they hold down Michael Thomas, and they hold down the rushing threat of Taysom Hill, I like the Broncos' odds this week. I want to talk more about that, something Fangio had to say about Taysom Hill and the Saints offense, but let's grab this from Isaiah real quick on Facebook. Appreciate you being with us, Isaiah. Appreciate the question. He's, he says, three things needed to beat the Saints. One, improve the deep passing accuracy. Two, defensive line penetration and pass pressure. Three, secondary has to play the best game of the season. Thoughts? I would agree with all three of those. Now, in what order? Uh, of of relevance or priority, among other things, do you do those rank? I don't know, but Zach Drew Locke definitely has to get more on point with that deep ball. Yeah, it was nice that he finished last week with a dime to Tim Patrick to close the game for sixty one yards and kind of fluff those numbers for Timmy P and get him his third hundred yard receiving game of the season. But he needs to be more consistent there. Um, which is bizarre because when he returned off of that shoulder in week six against the Patriots, he was dropping dimes vertically. It was just a game in which his receivers had an off day and they were dropping them left and right. So hopefully that can get on point. As always talked about more time on task, more time on task, defensive line penetration and pass pressure. Yes. But this is one of those games, Zach, where it's a damned if you do damned, if you don't proposition for the D line, because they got to get after him while also keeping contained because Taysom Hill is a guy that, you know, he's he's probably closer to Tim Tebow than he is Drew Brees. And I don't say that to insult the kid because he is a talent and I think he's got a future in the league as a quarterback. But he's a very physical, I mean, similar to Josh Allen in that sense, in terms of what he can do as a ball carrier. So being able to both pressure him while also being disciplined and keeping contained, it's tough, dude. And yeah, the secondary, they're going to have to cover this week, which it's going to be interesting to see if Michael O.J. Mudia gets back into Fangio's good graces. I'm not counting on it. I'm not either. And the thing with um, the thing with the Saints is you can't sell out to stop the pass and stop Taysom Hill because obviously they have a lethal running game with Alvin Kamara, who's arguably the best running back in the entire NFL. So they're going to ha- really have to play responsible, balanced football for all four quarters on defense is number one is stop the running game and make Taysom Hill beat you. They have Michael Thomas. He's not as good this year. They have Emmanuel Sanders. They have Traquan Smith. I know that for my fantasy team. They don't really have much beyond that, though. If they can shut down Michael Thomas, they have a good chance of shutting down Taysom Hill's passing threat. Then it becomes his rushing threat, and then it becomes uh, Alvin Kamara. But, yes, it starts on offense because we can feel confident saying that Vic Fangio will at least limit the Saints' offense, not shut them down, not blank them, but at least limit them. Can the offense do enough, as always, to overcome and to put more points on the board? And that starts with Drew Locke. It starts with Shermer as Chad hit on, and it starts with Locke hitting those opportunities, not overthrowing Jerry Judy, not overthrowing Fumagalli, who's putting his hands up like this wide open. He has to hit those passes. If they can do that, they'll be in this game Sunday. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mike Evans jumping in with a super sticker with the emoji doing its thing, doing its dance. But Mike, appreciate you showing up and being with us tonight. And and we hope you're able to balance tonight's show with enjoying your families and, and enjoying what's going to be a great Thanksgiving weekend for everybody. But Mike, really appreciate your support, my friend. One yes. of the true superstars in our community. And, and we're looking forward to catching up with you and getting you back on the show here in the, in the very near future. A couple of comments here from uh, some of the listeners like Bison M, one of our superstars about the shirt. You know, I support my friends and uh, this, I think, yeah, I did get this off brand Perna. uh, That's goods uh, store online because that's what I do. And and that's what you guys do. We love you. We love you for it. So good to see you Bison M. Um, All right. A couple things, Zach, that you brought up here. I want to touch on in, terms of Taysom Hill. Now, Vic Fangio was asked about, hey, you know, what have you seen uh, on the film from Taysom Hill? Obviously, he took over for the injured Drew Brees last week. Let me just read to you guys what Fangio said, because I thought it was it was a very interesting quote. They ran their normal offense. This is the, you know, the Saints blew out the Falcons, and this was a Falcons team that blew out the Broncos, right? I mean, the final score of that Bronco game against in, in Atlanta was not indicative of the true flow of that game. There was a lot of garbage time production. Quote, they ran their normal offense. I was turning on the tape maybe to see something different, but it's the Saints offense they've been running ever since Sean Payton's been there, and they've evolved too with the addition of his ability to have the quarterback-designed runs. But other than that, uh, other than the quarterback-designed runs, which are unique to him, they ran their offense. So in other words, you know, this isn't Mike McCoy Zach, you know, completely reshaping the offense midseason to to Tim Tebow, but they are tweaking it slightly to include some RPOs. And this was something I talked about with Kim Becker last night in that how do you contain Taysom Hill goes right back to the razor's edge in terms of contain, showing discipline in your rush, but also getting home. If you can get home, Bradley Chubb and, and Malik Reed and the interior guys and really put pressure on him. I mean, this is a guy I watched a lot in college. He's a phenomenal athlete, but under duress, he can make some boneheaded decisions like a lot of young quarterbacks are are prone to do. 
In other words, what Fangio is saying as well is Sean Payton's just a hell of a coach, Chad. I mean, regardless, having Drew Brees in there, you know, having any quarterback you put behind there, even a guy like Taysom Hill. And if you guys watched his deep ball last week, it, it was trending on Twitter. It was so bad. It was like someone shot a duck in midair and it just literally fell to the ground. I'm not worried about Taysom Hill. If you stop Kamara and you stop Michael Thomas, you force Taysom Hill to beat you against a Vic Fangio defense that confounded Patrick Mahomes. I'm not worried about that. My worry is, is Pat Shermer versus the Saints defensive coaching. My worry is the Broncos offense and Drew Locke doing enough and putting enough points on the board. I'm not that scared of a Drew Breesless Saints offense against a Vic Fangio defense that really is kind of hitting its stride right now, Chad. Here's a question about uh, from, from Lorenzo. Hey, when will KJ Hamler return kicks? Uh, I talked about this on Twitter yesterday. <clears throat> it's kind of interesting. If you look at the average for qualifying returners up to this point, in other words, returners with at least two returns for the Broncos this year, Deontay Spencer actually, let me blow this up, has the worst average among Broncos kick returners this year. Tyree Cleveland, number one, with seven returns. He's averaging 22 and a half yards per return. KJ Hamler, right behind him, Zach, 21. And then Spencer is below 20. A lot of boneheaded decisions he's made as a returner that cost him in terms of the average. But when will the, the Broncos utilize Hamler and the kick return to answer Lorenzo's question? I don't think you'll see it much at all. They, they don't want to risk him to injury. He's a big part of the offense. Right. So that's why, you know, if I'm, if I'm Vic Fangio, I know you're, you've rostered Deontay Spencer and you went through all those, that time off he had rehabbing from the shoulder that he suffered in uh, the new England game, but he's been lackluster since he returned. I'm giving Tyree Cleveland. Look, all right, Spencer, you're the punt returner. Do your thing. I don't mind Spencer back there returning punts, but I want to give Tyree Cleveland the chance as the kick returner. Well, I, I said this when Hamler injured his hamstring. There's no way now the Broncos coaching is going to trust him to stay healthy and use him on offense as well. But my counterpoint to my own point there is that the, the Cowboys are using C.D. Lamb, a first-round pick, on punt returns, and he's giving them solid yardage. At some point, you have to let your playmakers touch the ball. And that comes down to coaching and Tom McMahon, again, not doing what's in the best interest for the Broncos. And anyone who follows me on Twitter out there knows this joke. It's 642 on Wednesday, November 25th. Why does McMahon still have a job in Denver? Question for the sages and prophets. You know, take it up with your <laughs> with your local priest. Um, Richie Rich, good to see you. Richie Rich, I still think of uh, Cartman every time I read that phonetically. I, I think of that voice. Hey, guys. And by the way, this man who has a hat, I should say, gorgeous, luscious beard. Dude, have you not heard of No Shave November, dog? He shaved his beard, <laughs> Zach. Yeah. This 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 luscious beard is no more. So uh, RIP to Richie's beard um, and happy Thanksgiving. He says, hey, guys, my question. Why have we not seen more critique of Mike Shula? Locke, while he has had him moments, is very much continuing to make the same errors, the back foot throws, etc. You know, the thing here, Rich, is Zach and I have been critical of Mike Shula. Um, we've just been more critical, more vocal in our criticism of Pat Shermer because Pat Shermer is the one calling the plays. But it is in a question, the fact that t- from a technical perspective, we've seen at times regression from Drew Locke this season with his with his footwork with a lot of the things that coaches you know it's on them to kind of shine that out of them and up to this point I'll just tell you this I think Pat Shermer and Mike Shula kind of have a carte blanche 
I don't think the Broncos could stand up there after uh, what's probably going to end up being another losing season and with a straight face address the media after having fired another offensive coordinator. I think Shermer and Shula, unless Shula you know, gets a job elsewhere as a coordinator or something, they're going to be here in 2021, but they are just as – they're in the same boat on, on this, Zach, in terms of sharing the complicity for Locke's inconsistencies and at times erratic play up to this point. Yeah, and like you said, we've hammered both of them. But when you let's say you have a head coach and an assistant head coach, the assistant head coach is never getting the blame like the head coach is getting. And in this situation, in this context, Pat Shermer is the head coach. He was brought in to be the quarterback guru. He was brought in to save and develop and manufacture and make lock and take him to the next level. Shula's responsibility was a more micro uh, level. Same thing with McCartney last year compared to Scangarello. No one hates on McCartney. He got fired as well. Scangarello got all the blame. It's just it's just the way the hierarchy is set up. Shermer is more complicit, but they're both culpable in Locke's what was a regression. If he steps forward, they both get credit for it. But to this point, at least I can't speak for every media member, but Chad and I for sure have mentioned Shula along with Shermer in our critiques. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Uh, James, are we on Instagram? Yes. Mile High Huddle. I think it's mile underscore high underscore huddle. We, uh, we're sharing some videos there, some memes, some superstar selfies of the merch. It's overall a pretty fun follow, I would say, for, for fans. Uh, JR on Facebook wants to know, do you think Emmanuel Sanders is going to have a good game against our defense after playing in Denver for so long? You know what's funny, Zach? I had it didn't even pop into my head till Jr. just now asked about Emmanuel Sanders. The fact that he's returning to Denver. So this is a, an interesting storyline. What's your take? 
I mean, I, I said it before, Devontae Booker faced the Broncos. When you have a revenge game against a former player, it, it gives them more motivation. And Manuel Sanders, he was a big-time player. He wasn't Devontae Booker, and he ended um, his tenure with the Broncos with a lot of acrimony. It wasn't a very amicable divorce. He has a lot of bad blood, I feel like, with John Elway, and I feel like the Broncos really don't care that much about him. They went on and got their own receivers. He's going to want to play up to uh, beyond and over his head. He's going to want to stick it to Denver, especially in Denver, it's not up to him, though. They have the cornerback to take him out, either Boye or P- Bryce Callahan. Taysom Hill is not Drew Brees. He could go off against them, but I- I'm much more worried, much more worried about Michael Thomas and not this version, this year's version of Emmanuel Sanders. Gary Smith wants to know, what do y'all think? If the Broncos win this game, do y'all think we could go on a run? Of course, we would need help, but hey, I've seen it happen before. Could Denver be a Cinderella team? You know, it's entirely possible. I wouldn't count on it in terms of the probabilities, but the one thing that kind of throws off some of the probabilities and the precedents from years past is this this time around, there are seven playoff teams. So there's that additional spot for the Broncos to try and battle their way in, and they're still in the hunt. Now, they're on the outside looking in if the season ended today, obviously, but to answer your question, yes, if you get a win in back-to-back weeks against two playoff-caliber opponents – that is just as confidence-inspiring and momentum-inducing uh, as it gets. And I could really see them parlay that into something uh, down the stretch here, but that's a big if. And the Saints are just not a team that, you know, right. the Broncos The Broncos gave the, the Dolphins their best shot last week. My concern here is that, like, that was – that took everything they had, and now they're spent type thing. I, I hope that's not the case. I hope that – the coaches are able to to extract that level of intensity and performance out of them again, because that's what it takes to be one of the good teams in the league. You got to bring your best shot every single week in terms of execution. It can't be sporadic. It can't be, you know, we gave the the Patriots our best shot and then we disappear for three weeks. And then, you know, we give the chargers our best shot in the fourth quarter and then disappear for two weeks. And then, so if they can beat the saints, I think you, we could see something magical happen, but that's a huge, huge if. I also feel like Miami kind of played down to the Broncos last week, not to take anything away from Denver's effort, but that wasn't the same Miami team we saw in in the weeks past. And, We're not going to have that luxury with the Saints. Sean Payton, like I mentioned, is a hell of a coach. He always has his team ready to play, no matter the situation, no matter the players. It's going to take a lot for him uh, to win this game. If they do, though, could they go on a run? Anything can happen. But to make the playoffs, they're two games behind the seventh seed right now, which I believe is owned by the Raiders, who own – uh, the tiebreaker for now, they would have to win every game to have a good shot at making the playoffs as a wild card seed. And they still have a lot of tough teams left to go. Divisional opponents, they have the Chiefs, they have the Bills, they have the Saints coming up, they have the Panthers. It's not going to be easy. They'd have to win out. But if anything, like you mentioned, you hit on it, the C word, confidence. If they beat two playoff teams in a row, and this one would be legit, this is the Saints, it would at least show the Broncos, even if they don't make the playoffs, what they're capable of, what their potential and their ceiling could be. And that's all we really wanted on a macro level. Just know if these guys and these coaches have it for next season and beyond. All right. I'm just pulling up the uh, comparison here, the head to head for the Broncos and the saints uh, just to kind of have to riff off as we go through some more of these questions. BG, by the way, in the house. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, appreciate you, the, the generosity BG and hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, in your neck of the woods, my dog. He says, BG in the house, love these pods. We love you too. Um, let's take a look here as we grab this question on Facebook from Zach. 
who says, what's the biggest problem going into Sunday's game? Stopping the Saints offense or moving the ball against their defense? Gang, if you can see here, uh, remember, green means top 10, red means bottom 10. Let's start with the general comparisons. Turnover margin, Broncos are dead last in the league. A time right. of possession, they're they're you know bottom five. Meanwhile, the Saints are plus five in 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 the turnover margin. Time of possession, they're top ten. Then we get into the offense. Look at all that red and black for the Broncos, just up to to this point. And then look at the Saints. They're twelfth in in total yards, twelfth in yards per play, points per game. They're averaging just under thirty. That's fifth in the league. Rushing, they're the eighth best rushing offense, averaging nine more per game than the Broncos. Passing, they're kind of middle of the road in terms of net passing. They haven't been as explosive aerial uh, in the air as they have been in years past. Only three interceptions, um, seven fumbles lost, puts them in the bottom. Giveaways, Zach, they've given away 10 only, which is tied for six. The Broncos, meanwhile, dead last with 23. Uh, They've only allowed 16 sacks. Now, that's something that could change because – Drew Brees is excellent in terms of making all the pre-snap reads and getting the ball out quick. Taysom Hill is going to take more sacks than, than Drew Brees down the stretch. So that's a that's an opportunity for the Broncos. Look at the third down percentage, man. They're just yeah. shot bait and getting back to what Fangio said, Zach, about being a, that one of the best play callers, and he's only just continued to to improve as a play caller over the years. That's where he gets you is on, in, on third down. And in terms of the red zone, look at that. They're 11th. But they're converting 66% of their red zone tries, Zach, into touchdowns. So this is a long-winded way of answering Zach uh, his question on Facebook. But it's both, man. Both take precedent. It's going to be hard stopping this offense. And then, Zach, you look at the defense. Green. Three areas, four areas that they're not top ten. Yeah, and I, I want to say this one more time. Coaching, coaching, coaching. What what the offensive rankings is, and I'll start there, it, the Saints are an efficient, ball-controlled, disciplined, talented, yet explosive offense. They don't give the ball away. They convert third downs. They convert in the red zone. They score points. It's tough to beat a team like that. But then you have the one defensive mind in Fangio who can limit that. And your point about sacks, Chad, with Taysom Hill – he also, you know, he's more mobile, so he can get away from more sacks than Drew Brees would have. It's going to take a lot. I'm not saying that it's going to be an easy win. And I saw someone in the comments say, we have to be realistic. Chad and I both said it's going to be an uphill battle for Denver to win this game. Is it impossible? Certainly not. Even if Drew Brees was playing in this game, it wouldn't be impossible. But you can see right there, the numbers never really lie. The Saints score points. They do it well. They do it fast. They don't turn the ball over. So you really have to force takeaways. You really have to shut down the passing game, shut down the running game, and then you have to hope that your offense beats the Saints' defensive coaching. Not an easy task. Indeed, man. It's uh, it's going to be a very, very tall task. Let's grab Marco real quick on Facebook. He says, why don't you guys like upsetting Elway and his choices? Also questioning Fangio and his weekly direction. Why don't we, we like it? We we do question Elway, and we have been very highly critical of Fangio through this season. So I'm not sure exactly where that's coming from, Marco. Yeah, we're not exactly sunshine homers on this podcast. We, we really do call it like it is, extremely. Lawrence with a super chat. Appreciate that, my friend. He says, can we get Brittany Boland to take over the organization right now as she stands or what else needs to happen? No, uh, this was something that uh, Joe Ellis spoke to uh, about a year ago, and that is that whoever the trust selects as which Boland kid, and it's they're grooming Brittany, they have groomed Brittany for a long time to be that person. 
And don't I, I don't understand all the nuances. In fact, the best person in terms of the media that that really had a handle on this was Nikki Jabvala, formerly of the Athletic. She took a job in another market, and you know that this storyline has kind of suffered without her because um, she did a phenomenal job breaking it down and translating all the you know uh, legalese and all that stuff. But bottom line, Zach is the other Bolin children have to kind of sign off on Brittany taking right. over. And there's at least one, and that's Beth Bowen Wallace, who up to this point is not cool with that. She thinks it should be her, hence the current lawsuit that is in the courts that has been delayed until 2021. So could it be Brittany today? Could they just hand the keys over? I don't think legally they can. Right. And I, I, we mentioned this, and Lawrence, if you want to check out Monday's podcast, we went into this in detail. I'm not really that well-versed on the business side of things. No, the NFL, uh, we talked about it, Chad. They're getting kind of impatient now with Denver. They're kind of trying to force Joe Ellis's hand and force the trust hand and, and not to really drag the NFL along anymore. There might be a resolution relatively soon, but relatively soon in legal speak and court speak is not that soon. It could be a year. It could be two years. The NFL wants this wrapped up, and even if that means facilitating an outside sale, they want it to happen. I still think it stays within the family, but you hit on it. No other Bolin, including Johnny, is going to sign off on this without getting something out of it and giving it all to uh, Brittany. Uh, Cody Potter, good to see you, my friend, jumping in. Uh, let me let me just take us off share screen for a second. He says, uh, appreciate you, my friend, and it's good to see you. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Happy Thanksgiving, Cody. He says, I actually think using an unbiased mind, this is a trap game for the Saints. I believe what the Saints do well with Hill – Matches up well with what Denver does well. Hashtag mile high salute. Uh, we'll see, man. I mean, I don't think at this point, honestly, I don't think any team is sleeping on the Broncos after seeing what they did with the Patriots. Because um, the Patriots aren't the same team they were with Tom Brady. This is obvious. But the biggest difference has actually been their defense regressing, not the absence of Tom Brady. And, you know, his absence, I guess, trickles down and has an effect on the defense in terms of game flow and you know, Brady was a was a quarterback that allowed the, the Patriots to often get out to early leads, which takes a lot of pressure and completely reshapes how a defense can can roll. But nevertheless, they beat the, the Broncos, beat the Patriots. And I think from that point forward, no one was really sleeping on the Broncos. And then again, after beating a six and three Dolphins team that was red hot, nobody is sleeping on the Broncos anymore. So I think you're going to see the Saints roll in to Denver, give them their best shot. And it's also worth noting, Zach, the Denver Broncos own an eight and two all-time record against the Saints. Okay, so I want to say it's been thirty years since last the Saints beat the Broncos. It's something close, and I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think Vic Fangio was the defensive coordinator, or not defensive coordinator, linebackers coach of the Saints the last time the Broncos lost to the Saints. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think so. And, and you know, I don't really think the Saints have a letdown game in them. I don't think Sean Payton is the coach. He's not Brian Flores. He's not a second-year guy who's prone to these types of things. He really is on his P's and Q's, and he's up there with Andy Reid. And- not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. 
They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. A couple other coaches among the best in the NFL. But let's also, to your point, Chad, the Broncos also beat the Chargers. They beat Justin Herbert, you know, the, the wonder boy of the of the league right now, their wonder boy quarterback. So you're right. No team is really looking down on the Broncos right now. They're not world beaters. They're not title contenders by any means. But you cannot overlook any team. And when that team has Vic Fangio's coaching prowess, and when Locke, when that switch goes on, and Sean Payton knows this being an offensive guy, if that switch flips on, they're a pretty dangerous team. So it's not going to be a letdown for the Saints. If the Broncos want to upset them, they're going to have to beat them for all four quarters. As you can see here, gang, I was wrong. The Broncos are 9-2 and two all time, 5-1 and one at home against New Orleans, and have not lost to the Saints indeed since 94, Fangio's last year with the Saints. So you don't think this is a team that is not only not sleeping on the Broncos, but they're hungry, man. They want to get a win on this team that they haven't beat in a long freaking time, Zach. Do we remember the last Broncos victory, 2016, the Justin Simmons block extra point? One of the most wild endings I have ever witnessed. I walked away for a second from watching the game, and I walked back in the room. They had won. I still remember that very vividly. Wild game. That it was. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, BG, good to see you popping back in. Appreciate you. Thank you. He says, Pat Shermer was brought in, but I put this on Vic, the head coach. He fired Scangarello, hired Pat, so this has to fall on him. And once again, I do not like defensive coordinators as head coaches. You know, that's um, – it's kind of a, you know, exercising of demons here, what what BG is saying, because there's, there's – you can't go back in time and change that. But whether the Broncos turn this season around, and even if next year, 2021, Pat Shermer and Mike Shula stick around and – the offense really turns a corner and they become a force next year. I think this is a decision that, that Fangio is going to always wonder about maybe even Rue mm-hmm. firing Rich Scangarello after his first year. But the reason why I don't think it was because he thought necessarily Skangs did a bad job. He obviously did a great job developing Drew. I think the biggest thing, and this speaks to what BG hates about defensive coordinator head coaches is, and this is especially true for Vic he isn't an offensive guy and he wanted to hire an offensive guy who could basically be the head coach of the offense, set it and forget it, you know, keep me in the loop, Pat, but do your thing. And I I don't think he felt that comfort with Skanks, especially as a first year coordinator. That was Skanks first coordinator job in the league. 
And I think Skangs was somewhat foisted upon Fangio by John Elway. That was a John Elway, Matt Russell hire more so than it was Vic Fangio, whereas Shermer's Fangio, true blue, and it's the, the jury's still out on whether or not that was the right move. Well, is there any coincidence that Vic Fangio has two former head coaches on the offensive side of the ball? And the answer to that is no. And like Chad just hit on perfectly, Fangio is a defensive guy. He doesn't want to worry about the offense. He doesn't want to get involved with the play calling, the game plan, the schematics of it. He wants Pat Shermer being a two-time former head coach, a guy who's who's been around the league in Philadelphia and Minnesota, a guy who's been around the block to take care of Drew Locke. They hired Mike Shula, who has that the pedigree, who has the name cachet. Uh, he really wanted a more veteran, experienced coaching staff because I think he viewed Scangarello as just a, a novice. And they had T.C. McCartney, who was very young. He was like an 18-year-old guy out there in, in NFL terms. They wanted an older uh, a coaching staff and maybe a, a coaching staff that's more in tune with Vic Fangio's his personality and the, his old-school mentality, a little closer to age in him, just a more um, idealistic match. And whether it works out, Chad, if we saw what we're going to see last week going forward, they made the right call. If the old Pat Shermer rears his ugly head the rest of the season, it was totally knee-jerk and impulsive firing Sangarello and hiring Pat Shermer. Uh, This question here about Shelby Harris, the truth is we still don't know. Vic said this today, quote, no, in terms of is there an update on Shelby, quote, no, he's still on the list. He is getting better, but he's still on the list. He's improving, but not enough yet to get off the list. So, uh, there might be still enough time in the sand in the hourglass for, for Harris to turn the corner and be available uh, for Sunday's game. But I would just plan on him not being there. And if he's there, it's a, it's a, it's a you know surprise and you're happy about it, but it's looking like this is going to be another, the last game where Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker and Deshaun Williams and that trio especially are going to have to do the heavy lifting. And, you know, they did a great job last week. They kind of regressed a little bit in the Raiders game and were kind of bullied, did a good job in the Atlanta game. This will be the fourth game Shelby's missed, Zach. I mean, that's a bummer for him, and he's he got the virus, but he's overcoming it. He's an elite athlete. He's going to overcome it. Um, but what really sucks for him is he had momentum. He's in a contract year again. He was right. way out kicking what he did last year in a contract year, and then he misses a quarter of the season. That's what really just pains me for Shelby. It's just such a bummer. That's also why, and it's a whole different subject entirely, but this is why you want the Broncos to take care of their own guys and lock up their own guys, because if anything, it shows good faith and rewarding what they've done for the organization and not what they will do for the organization. Uh, Shelby was out there today. I saw a picture on Twitter. He was he was around the practice field. I, I think Chad is right. Don't expect him to play Sunday. If he does, great. It's a big bonus for the Broncos' defense. It sucks, though, because you love to have his past uh, deflecting prowess out there against Taysom Hill, holding the lanes, holding responsibility. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass, obviously. Uh, he's a good pass rusher. He's a great key cog to have, but they, at least they had Draymond Jones stepping up. He's proving his – Demarcus Walker is getting in there as well. Ashim is getting in there. They can weather Shelby Harris's absence another game, but having him out on the field for sure would be a big bonus. Logan Beaumont on Super Chat, a name we do not recognize. So welcome and welcome. thank you, Logan. He says, with Taysom Hill, it's our best chance at winning. Go Broncos. You know, I guess that's true. It's it's better than, you know, having to face Drew Brees. But the Saints are just so good. They're so much more than just their quarterback. And what really sets them apart as a, as a truly formidable opponent, Zach, 
some of the best coaching in the league, especially yes. – I mean, it's on both sides of the ball, right, to right. rank. Right. But they're just – you want to talk about razor-thin margin of error. These guys don't screw up, and when they do sense the blood in the water on either side of the ball, man, they're like sharks in a feeding frenzy in the ocean. And you haven't seen that wherewithal from Vic and Pat and his his crew. At times they've shown that. But the one thing I'll say that gives me some hope and just that speaks to that comment, that super chat, is Fangio does well against inexperienced quarterbacks. He really does. I mean, look what he did against Justin Herbert, who had himself a day. Okay, he had some stats. But he he kind of disappeared in the from the halfway the third quarter through the end of that game. Fangio threw some stuff at him, kind of disappeared. Let Locke fight his way back in. The rest is history. Look what they did to Tua. I mean, he had a he had a Fangio did an inkling. He anticipated that if they played well, Miami could bench him and go back to Fitzpatrick, and that's exactly what happened. So I'll be uh, I'm expecting Fangio's act to throw some looks and some different coverages and some fronts and some twists and some stunts. Uh, at Hill that is going to throw him off, maybe things he hasn't seen as a quarterback quite yet, and it could pay dividends, but the key is going to be, too, that offense, Drew Locke, Pat Shermer, we talked about this at the top of the show, they got to carry their fair share of the water again this this week. It can't be you're here one game, then you disappear again. It's got to be another game. It's another day, so you're here, you're showing up, you're doing your job. You made the point that I was going to make that just because Sean Payton is the coach of the Saints and he's an offensive mind doesn't mean they're not a well-balanced team. Dennis Allen, their defensive coordinator, has done a hell of a job turning around that defense. They were like the Colts for so many years, all offense, no defense. Now they're just as talented on defense, if not more so now with Drew Brees out of the picture, than they are on offense. This is not going to be an easy game for Denver to win. I'm putting it out there point blank. If they are going to do it, though, it's going to start not on defense, not containing Taysom Hill and Kamara. It starts on offense, at least for me. Lock, the running game, the offensive line, the play calling. If we get last week's version, they'll have a chance. If we get the Raiders version, they're going to get blown off their home field. It's as simple as that. Scott Edwards jumping in. Good to see you, my friend, on Super Chat. And, Zach, this is a a fella that has been very active on Super Chat lately, and we really appreciate you, Scott. Yes. Thank if, you. Uh, you're, if you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out and connect with Zach and I so that we can shout you out, tag you after the show. As far as the Saints' offensive weapons go, I think I'd be more worried of Alvin Kamara. Our linebackers improved in coverage, but how do you see Fangio defending Kamara? I think that's why one of the reasons why you saw him you know, bite the bullet on activating Mark Barron, Zach. But in terms of coverage, good luck. Just hope, hold on for dear life. Hope you can stuff them in terms of the running game on first and second down, create some some third and longs, and get after Taysom Hill because, listen, Josie Jewell, Alexander Johnson, I don't care if it's Mark Barron, none of those cats can cover Al, uh, Alvin Kamara in coverage. So it's going to be a pickle. You know, he's a lot like Derrick Henry. He's going to get his yards. You're not going to hold him to nothing. He's going to put up some yards. He might even score. It's just how much damage is he going to do? You have to tackle him low. You have to get him to the ground. Don't let him rip off 30, 40, 50-yard runs. Don't let him go crazy on you. He's going to get his yardage. And I'm more worried, like you hit on, uh, in, in pass reception and coverage because they have no linebackers. Even Mark Barron, they think he's the savior. He really isn't. He's not that great. Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell, they're carbon copies of themselves. This isn't a game for the entire Broncos defense to be on point. No Simmons arm tackling, no Kareem Jackson headhunting and taking out his own players. They have to be disciplined, prepared, and get the ball carrier, whether that's Michael Thomas, Taysom Hill, or Kamara, to the ground ASAP. Uh, Official music first entertainment, he says, I want them to acknowledge me. First time I caught him live. 
Hey, man, sorry. If you've been commenting or throwing up questions and we missed it, here's your acknowledgement. We yeah. appreciate you being with us. One thing to keep in mind is this is why we need our producer, John, is when Zach and I are doing our thing, sometimes we're able to see things in the stream and we ourselves can grab them and put them on screen. Uh, but a lot of times we miss, I mean, we do miss 90% of what is in the stream because we're talking off the top of our heads and focusing on what we're saying, not so much what we're reading in the stream. So oftentimes we miss things. Um, so keep that in mind, gang. And it's good to see you. Welcome into the stream, my friend. Mark Langley in the house. Talk about a superstar. Love Mark. He's an, an MHH Mount Rushmore cat. And he always brings the funny. Let's see if this one's funny. What's up, my guys? My new profile pic is a picture of bowls. This is what Garrett looks like. <laughs> After ahead, backing one out, I'll say. I don't want to say that. I'll, I'll rephrase it. That was fun. Uh, but having a Pro Bowl year and doing a great job. Happy Thanksgiving and John as well. Appreciate you, Mark, and happy Thanksgiving to, to you and yours, my friend. Mark, oh, is that your way funny. of eating crow? I mean, because we've been a Garrett Bowles hater like I have, and I've eaten crow on Garrett, but that's a pretty fun way to go about it. Uh, Liam wants to know, do you think the Broncos defense is a top 10 defense? I think they are and may possibly be top five. Well, Liam, let me ask you, how do you define that? What exactly do you mean? Like in the hearts and minds or from a statistical ranking perspective? Because let me show you where they are. All right, let me, let me, well, let's look. All right, here you go. This is where your Denver Broncos rank uh, defensively. They have a few top 10 rankings. I'm trying to blow this up as big as I can. All right. Total yards, they're 13th. So just shy. I mean, they're a little bit better than middle of the pack. Uh, yards per play, they are a top 10 defense. Points per game, middle of the road. They're 21st. Uh, net rushing, middle of the road, 19th. Passing, they finally worked their way, Zach, into the top 10. Now, this is recent. The last two weeks, they've managed to fight their way into the top 10, so that's good. That's progress. Still struggling to take the ball away. Um, seventh, seven, I should say, interceptions, ranks 20th. Three fumble recoveries, ranks 26th. Takeaways in total, ranks bottom third. Sacks, they're up there. And this is probably the, one of the most surprising developments in my estimation yeah. of this defense, and it's a credit to Fangio, you don't have Von Miller all year. You don't have Jarrell Casey. Shelby Harris has now missed almost a quarter of the season. You didn't have Draymond. You didn't have Walker for a quarter of the season. And somehow you're still ranked seventh in sacks. Like, to me, that is a monumental achievement. And it's a credit to Chubb. It's a credit to Malik Reed. It's a credit to Jones and Walker when they have been on the field. And, of course, <clears throat> Shelby when he's been on the field. So that's awesome. And then, Zach, here's where Fangio's really making his money as a defense coordinator. Third down in the red zone. They red are zone, still a yeah. top 10 defense uh, on third down and the second best in the red zone. And to your point about the sacks, also Chubb wasn't himself for the first quarter of the season. He was working back from his injury. So that's it's Fangio's scheme and manufacturing pressure. And since they've been blitzing more, which happened, I believe, around the Jets game, uh, the, the sacks have been coming. Malik Reed is looking like a real player. Chubb is back to form. I think based on the eye test, I'm not huge on analytics and relying solely on stats and numbers. Based on the eye test, I think the Broncos are a top 10 defense. I'm not going to say top five. I think that's a little too much for me. They're a little too inconsistent. But top 10, considering what they've done this year, just from what my eyes have seen to Mahomes, the way they confounded Tua, they had six sacks and nine quarterback hits on the Dolphins last week. They only allowed 14 sacks, Miami did, up until that point. The Broncos had six. So Fangio is definitely doing something right, and that's, to me, a top-10 defensive mind. 
All right, two more, and then we're going to dip out of here for tonight, gang. And this one comes from JL Avenger from Paradise, Costa Rica. He says, greetings, guys. Sorry for being late. What about the Jake Rogers and Levante Bellamy moves for you? So you did miss that at the top of the show. Um, Some of – you know, one thing as I'm thinking about this, Zach, it was mystifying the Levante Bellamy thing. But I don't know when they started practicing him because when if a player goes on injured reserve, when you do start practicing him and letting him participate again, teams only have three weeks before they have to make a decision. And that is either to promote them to the active roster or they got to stay on IR for the rest of the year. So maybe I've been a little bit more disconnected today than I have been uh, than I would be normally. And so that might be what explains why they – promoted him to the active roster and then waved him today to sneak him onto the practice squad. That's the only other thing I could think of. Could be. I'm not really tripping too much about the Bellamy move. I mean, you have three running backs. You have two really good ones already. I'm more, um, not to say I'm miffed, but I'm more questioning that Jake Rogers getting rid of one of your only pure offensive tackles when you struggled so badly along the right edge and you allow him to go right off waivers to another team. That's the move I'm questioning, Chad. You couldn't have released another player, someone like Austin Calitro even, someone who doesn't really do anything, and then keep a tackle who Mike Munchak, one of the best coaches in the NFL, is developing. That's only one where I'm kind of scratching my head. Here's a name for you, Duke Dawson. What has this cat right. done for the Denver Broncos since they acquired him? Right, He was he was a trade from the, uh, from the Patriots. What has this guy done, especially this year? I know, you know, the answer is special teams. He he contributes on special teams, but, you know, the Broncos special teams have not been good. So maybe there are better options for you out there besides Duke Dawson. All right, last super chat, and then we'll dip out of here for tonight. From Eddie Vasquez, a longtime listener and a longtime superstar. Love you, bro. It's good to see you. He says, love you guys. Working on being more active in the chat. Always good energy from Chad and Zach. Uh, Denver Broncos for life, Broncos country, and reminding everybody to hit that like button. We really appreciate it. But gang, that's going to do it for tonight. We're going to be right on the one hour mark and let everybody enjoy their, uh, I guess you can call it Thanksgiving Eve. Enjoy your families, kick back, focus on, uh, I'll I'll tell you what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be watching some movies with the kids, helping in the kitchen for tomorrow and trying to focus on, recognizing the ways in which I'm blessed and and my family is blessed. And one of those recognitions is a shout out to the community here is you guys, you guys are a true blessing to myself, to Zach. And we appreciate each and every one of you. And especially our, our superstars and our Facebook supporters who financially support what we're doing here with the podcast and our video content, especially on YouTube and especially on Facebook. It really means the world to us. So uh, that's what I'm grateful for, Zach. I'm grateful for you, my dog, showing up every single day. John as well. Uh, so in terms of a Thanksgiving, guys, it has been a freaking weird year. I almost cursed just barely. But I, there's <laughs> still okay. so much to be grateful for. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not very grateful I have to watch the Cowboys tomorrow. But, you know, we get to pop tomorrow night, Chad. We, we do this for a living. We love coming on here. We love interacting. And, and I'll say this one more time. I've said this probably a thousand times, literally, Broncos country is the best fan base on the face of the earth. And for anyone who's not tuning in tomorrow night, that's perfectly fine. We want you guys to enjoy football and food and family. My favorite holiday, personally, of the entire year. I love it every single year. Nothing better than it. If you guys are not going to tune in tomorrow, please have a very happy, healthy, safe Thanksgiving. Enjoy yourselves. Take pleasure in what's a a very 
lone and rare bright spot. And like Chad mentioned, a very dark year. So thank you guys again and happy Thanksgiving to all of Broncos country. All right. Last couple of things. A reminder, follow the podcast on Twitter. There's the handle at huddle up pod. And then also at mile high huddle. You can follow my partner, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. And then our producer, John K Buona beast at John K MHH on Twitter. Don't forget to get your, a uh, risk-free week of sports betting up to a thousand bucks at sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle. And then as Zach mentioned, we are going to podcast. We are going to stream tomorrow night where you're welcome to join us. Feel free. We would maybe take the day off if the Broncos didn't have a game this week, but they do. We got to talk about it. We got to get through it. There's still a lot to be dissected on Broncos saints. So we'll be back here 6 PM mountain usual time. 8 p.m. Eastern, and and so Zach, have a great Thanksgiving tomorrow, and and we'll see everybody uh, our usual time tomorrow night. You too. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. You've been listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at MileHighHuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 